0: Sci-fi Saturday, night. Sci-fi Saturday night.
1: Sci-fi Saturday night. Stay tuned with the two with two O's. See. <laughs>
0: Sci-fi
2: Saturday night. Saturday night. Sci-fi Saturday night.
0: We will begin in massive invasion. We will tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, and that we will give your a witchcraft.
2: You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message will bring you all people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up.
0: Friday, bye, Saturday Night.
2: Good evening, afternoon, morning, whenever the hell time it is that you clicked on a podcast, because it really doesn't matter when you do it. You've just done it, and you're listening to us. It's Tallcast 700 and, no, 371. It'd be funny if it was 731, but it isn't. I'm not dyslexic. From the second-hand sushi saw the only freeze-dried fish byproduct with absolutely no actual fish content whatsoever on sub-level 9 in Area 51, It's TalkCast 371, yet another edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night with Restless Leg Syndrome. I am your host, The Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, much of the gang from the Peabody Time Tunnel, our own button-pushing keyboard clacking, sonic screwdrivering, violent virtuoso, Kriana pounding the keyboard again. Mm -hmm. Hi, Kriana. Ah, there you go. Back from a vacation at the Dank Dungeon Super Secret Library at Cyborg University's Adjunct Campus in Mineral Springs, New South Jersey. Welcome back, Zombrarian. Hi. <laughs> All that hype. All that I hype.
0: I unmuted and everything, though, Dome. It was really, I worked hard on that one.
2: That, to not, to, to, to unmute yourself and stuff? Yes. Cool. Nice job.
0: You know that that's hard for me.
2: <laughs> Many times you do forget. That's absolutely true.
0: See? There you go.
2: I know. Uh, unfortunately, Java can't be with us tonight, but claims to be back next week to talk about uh, Star Trek, the new Star Trek series, and What's the ultra- a lie. I know. Killed him. <laughs> Buried his body in the tank dungeon reading room, didn't you? Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, in case he reanimates himself, he'll be back next week to talk about Altered Carbon and Star Trek Discovery, uh, hopefully. And we also have a guest next week. I wish I knew who it was, but I don't. So we'll talk about that later on in the show. Our guest tonight, however, because it's Valentine's Day, and as we get close to Valentine's Day every year, I shoot off an email to our favorite writer of Paranormal romance and a lot of times we haven't been able to connect we're connecting this year for valentine's day welcome back our friend hp mallory welcome back. back and we're having a wonky connection but i know that you're here because i can see you in the skype chat thing can you can you hear me now? there you go yep yeah, now we can
1: oh yeah Hey, oh, I was just saying thank you, and I'm very, very happy to be back.
2: Oh, well, I, I got to tell you, you know, as I said the very first time we met, which was close to seven or eight years ago, I wow. never thought I was going to be a fan of paranormal romance. It was not <laughs> in my wheelhouse whatsoever.
0: <laughs>
2: and somebody gave me one of your ebooks. And I just kind of went, okay, I give, you win, I lose, I'm hooked. And, <laughs> I, and I've been reading your stuff ever since. I love your books. I love the way you write. Uh, in the intervening years since the last time we were together, you have been writing uh, a whole lot. You've been doing, uh, you've got, oh, gosh, finding, finding, finding your stuff just all the books you've been uh from something witchy this way comes which was the very first book of yours i ever read
1: oh jolie right 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 yeah no i have i've uh some years it seems like i'm busier than others um but yeah my i've got five series and they definitely keep me
0: busy.
2: So let's talk about uh, the five series, and then the new book is, is it the uh, the one with J.R. Rain, uh, Ice Wolf? Oh,
1: right, too. right.
2: So we we so, start yeah, off. So. Go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just I was just going to comment about that, but no, go ahead. We can um, we can start with wherever it's
2: fine. Well, there's six books in the Jolie Wilkins series now.
1: Um, I think, no, there's, there's five in Jolie. So Jolie Wilkins was my first series that I ever wrote. And that's really the one that put me on the map as an indie author. Um, so there are five in that series Then that series ended and I started a spin-off series with one of the characters in the Jolie series whom everybody really, really loved, which was Mm Sinjin. Um, so he has his own series now, um, which is called the Bryn and Sinjin series. And I've just written book three in that series.
2: Which is The Gentleman.
1: Right, exactly. So that was the most recent book uh, to come out in that series. And then, um, but yeah, other than that, the Jolie, I mean, I guess you could say the Jolie series continues in the Sinjin series, but as far as it being narrated by Jolie, those books are over.
2: And then there's the, the Dulcie O'Neill series, which is another right. incredibly cool series. And there are eight books to this point in that series.
1: Well, and I actually just came out with the ninth book about like three days ago, I think. Um, that one's called Pride and Poltergeist. <laughs> uh, <so> each, <laughs> each, uh, each book in the Dulce series has a really funny little title um, that I actually have all my readers come up with the titles and then I pick my top five favorites usually and then I have them pick which one, um, which one won so I think this time around some of my favorites were um, a, a Tomb with a View that was a really good one um, let's see, there was Pride and Prejudice, of course. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Uh, the, another one was Around the Netherworld in 70 Days. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the, some of the things, some of the book titles that people come up with are really, really, really clever. Um, another one of my personal favorites was Fifty Shades of Faye.
2: So nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. The um yeah, so those are just some off the top of my head that I can remember. But it's always a really fun uh contest to do and I the winner um gets the gets mentioned in the acknowledgments of the book and gets a Amazon card and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's something I do with every new guilty book. And it's a great way to not have to think of a title. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and
2: then there's I mean, I, if we were done with series at that point, that would be enough. But then there's the Lily Harper series.
1: Yeah. So Lily Harper is my personal favorite. And the reason being is wonkiest of all of the series in that I guess it, I guess you could consider it. it's more romance. And it's more probably like, I mean, of course, there's romance, romance in it but I would almost call it more like epic fantasy. And it's just kind of a weird series with weird characters that I love. Um, so very quickly, it's basically the idea is it's a, a woman who dies before it's her time to go. And she learns that she once she's dead, she wakes up in this sort of like DMV type place and realizes that the reason that she died prematurely was because her guardian angel, who's an alcoholic, a womanizer, and just this really hideous person, was too busy um, with some woman and wasn't paying attention, and consequently she died. So the afterlife enterprises, who is in charge of the afterlife, gives her the opportunity to live again. But in order to do that, she has to become something called a soul retriever. Because during UK, while, while it didn't affect anything here on Earth, it actually did affect the afterlife. So souls that were supposed to go to, to the equivalent of hell went to heaven and vice versa. So she basically has to go through all the levels of hell um, to retrieve these different souls. And uh, her sort of sidekick and guide along the way is this hideous guardian angel, Bill. And he is by far my most favorite character to write. He's just really uncouth, loud mouthed, rude, and just really funny. So So that series has a special place in my heart for sure.
2: But we're not done. (laughs) (laughs) Then there's (laughs) the Peyton Clark series, which is set in New Orleans, uh, which is a different setting than you've ever been in before.
1: Exactly. Um, So Peyton Those books were um, published actually by Amazon. And I happened to be in New Orleans maybe about five years ago. And I was on a ghost tour. And as I was going through and learning about the incredibly rich history of New Orleans, um, I just got really inspired, especially by the architecture, um, these beautiful houses, all the ghost stories, all the lore, the whole sort of focus on voodoo. So I started this series, which is basically about a woman who gets divorced and is from California because she inherits a mansion, basically, in New Orleans, and it's haunted. And it's really about the relationship that she has, not only with the ghosts that live in her house, but also with um, her general contractor, who she hires to fix up her house. And it's just, it's a really fun book. It, it really includes a lot of New Orleans history, um, a lot of the different ghost stories, um, stories in general about New Orleans. And in a way, the city kind of becomes its own character, which, which is fun. So I'm actually working on the third book in that series right now. Uh, and that, yeah, that one is, that one's a really fun one to write as well. Well, they all are really.
2: Um, you're working in, well, at this point, I guess, five different series, because the Jolie Wilkins right. series isn't there anymore, or is, is exactly. finished for the most part. Right. So how do you decide which one is, is the next one you're going to?
1: Um, normally, I try to do it, though, so they're sort of in some kind of order. Um. Sometimes I just really want to start working on one of the books in the series, so I'll do that. But in general, I try to keep them all pretty even. And then um, I'm actually in the process right now of starting another series. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I tend to, I think, and I'm sure that this is the case with a lot of other writers out there, I constantly have ideas. Like I might hear a song, I might have a dream, I might see a movie or a TV show or something that just really sticks with me. And I start to think about, oh, hey, wouldn't it be cool to write this or, or a certain type of character that I think of. And so one of the, the reasons like that I had originally ended Jolie and Dolce was so I could find the time to work on new ideas that I had and then I ended up bringing the Dulce series back um, because I felt like there was more I could do with it. But yeah, so now I'm I'm really sort of focused on bringing out another series which I haven't fully developed yet. So I won't go too too deep into it. But yeah, so pretty soon it'll be six series.
2: So what's different about this new series? What what grabbed you and said? I want to do something different, and here it is.
1: Well, I started looking into lit RPG, which you know, heavily involves video games and that sort of thing, and, and the bridge between sort of the computer world and our own. And I just really thought it was interesting. It's a new genre for me, so that in itself is, is fun. And I'm just trying to kind of work out some ideas on how I could write my own lit RPG, but it would, be, it would absolutely have a romance slant to it. So, um, but at the same time, I want it to appeal to men as well. So, it seem, I mean, it seems like in general, most of my readers seem to be women. Well, and you, of course, don't, but... Well, thank you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, you know, and, and I gotta yeah. tell you, I think, I think men are missing out here. Because, you know, here's my deal, or or at least the way I've figured it out, is that good writing is good writing. And regardless of the genre, good storytelling is good storytelling. And the one one thing that that you've been able to do, and clearly uh, more... uh, you know, the ability to, to do as many as you have and have them as well-received as you have, is you've been able to tell a damn good story.
1: Well, thank you.
2: I mean, you, you, you work... You, you I don't know how you work, and we're going to talk about that, but you have marvelous characters, you have interesting settings, and, and you have good stories. Now, if you have those three, I'm not sure if it matters, what the genre is. I mean, it could be the Peloponnesian Wars as easily as it could be (laughs) the fourth moon of Titan, but...
1: (laughs) That might be my seventh series.
2: Oh, good Lord. The Peloponnesian Wars on Titan? No, let's not. (laughs) Although I I may have created a monster just now. I'm not really sure yet. (laughs)
0: But I mean, the or bottom line did is, you create something amazing?
2: It could be an amazing monster.
0: <laughs> oh, like my, my yeah.
2: <laughs> But I mean, the bottom line is uh, that having read at least one book in every one of your series, except for the newest one in the uh, Ice Wolf series, uh, your your settings are cool. Your your characters. Are significantly themselves and not derivative. And um, you, you write a good story, ma'am. What can I tell you? Well,
1: thank you. I thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And it's uh, yeah. It's I. I have no complaints. I absolutely. You know, I've always wanted to be a writer, and the fact that I'm able to make my living that way is is definitely a blessing, and it's something that I'm grateful for every day, for sure. So,
2: if if we go all the way back to the very first time you were on the show, which was in February of 2011, <laughs> and wow. uh, yeah, and book two of the Jolie Wilkins had just come out at that point, and that's what that's we were funny. talking about. Um, it has to be significantly different for you now in terms of your writing and how you do it and the way you do it because as you become more a part of the writing community and uh, maintained a very close contact with your readers uh, through Facebook and social media, and uh, publishing events and bookstore events. Um, you're much closer than a lot of writers are to to their audience, I think.
1: Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think the reason being that when you're writing for a publisher, you kind of, the publisher in a way sort of becomes the middleman between you and your readers. Because they're the ones that are doing all the marketing. They're the ones that are, you know, getting the word out there. And when you're an indie author and you're responsible for every single part of the publishing process, you know, between writing the book, getting it edited, doing the cover, all of those things, and then marketing it as well. I think in my case anyway, and I had come from an online marketing background, so I'm probably a little different than than other indie authors. But for me, it was really imperative that I interact with my readers, that I get to know who they are and what about my books appeals to them. Um, It's always really special to me when my readers email me and tell me, you know, a lot of them will say that they're going through a tough time in their lives and my books have helped them get through those tough times and, and stuff like that that just really makes this whole thing so meaningful, because to me, you know, I can, I'm sitting in my office and I'm writing a story that is just pure sort of entertainment, but the fact that it actually can help somebody who's reading it is, is something I, you know, I don't really, it doesn't occur to me until people email me and tell me that, and then it's just sort of like, you know, this sort of silly little thing that, that I'm working on, or that maybe I just think is amusement. Kind of takes on a different face, and yeah. So for me, all along, it's I. I love interacting with my fans. I love finding out who, what, what their favorite series is, or their favorite book boyfriend, as they call them. Um, yeah, and it's always been a big part of sort of my, I guess, my platform as a writer. Um, and yeah, again, I think. I think that's something that you see more with indie authors and I'm not sure so much about now, but in the past anyway it seemed like it's it was much more kind of the indie way than it was traditional publishing.
2: But isn't that a hell of a lot more work than just writing the book and sending it to the publisher? It, I mean...
1: It is. It absolutely is. Um, but at the same time, it's it's kind of like you know how does word spread about anything? It's always word of mouth. It's always you know, hey, I read this great book. I think you'd like it. Um, and that's really, I think, what has helped me quite a bit is um, readers telling their friends or their family members that, hey, I think you'd like this H.P. Mallory book. And it is it is a lot more work for sure. Um, but it's there's work, and then there's work that you don't really think of as work and I and I think that's more what it is and in terms of you know platforms like Facebook um, well yeah Facebook particularly it's great because I can put a message out there and everybody can see it and then I can interact with you know whoever decides to interact with me from that message and just being able to see pictures and um, and to put faces with people, I mean, there's quite a few people on my Facebook page that have been with me from the very beginning, and I recognize them. I mean, when they comment on things, I, re- I recognize their names. I recognize their faces. Um, I remember meeting some of them at, at uh, book signings. Um, and that's always a, a kind of a cool thing, because in a way, they, they kind of become your friends. You know, you can see what they're up to. They're Con, you know, constantly reading the, the books that I'm putting out and rooting for me, and they're loyal. And that's one of the things I've really noticed about my fans. That uh, actually, other authors have commented on as well. Is just how unbelievably loyal they are, and they really are. I mean, it's it's kind of like I can't. If I had a like a dime for every time one of my readers has said, "I don't care what you write, I'll read whatever you write." I, I mean, I I could probably make a living on that alone. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just it's, a, it's an amazing thing when you have a following who, who really, yeah, who are loyal.
2: Loyal to the point of being rabid. Um, and, and I <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way. I have seen people's <laughs> comments in social media talking to you in conversations that they have with each other. Uh, and they are just literally hanging on each book on each word, on each character. Uh, and I think it's uh, uh, not only endearing but indicative of the chord that you strike within your readers and it's not just women it's it's pretty much anybody who reads the books finds a connection there. And having found that connection, they, I don't know. They connect to you as well, so they figure, and, and as I did, uh, well, this series works. Let's try. Th- well, this one works too, and let's. Oh, well, they all work in one way or another. <laughs> and and that's well, what's been fun for me—just taking me out of my literary comfort zone into a place I never really expected to be, and. Within that genre, I have to be honest with you. I have fallen into some uncomfortable places that I've said to myself, "We're not going back there, ever." <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Your books, What's the wear hedgehog. Oh uh, yeah, well, not talking about that, but yeah.
0: <laughs> I thought you would enjoy the wear hedgehog. I mean.
2: It, it was not a favorite. What can I tell you? <laughs> oh, that's
0: funny. I will admit I didn't read it before I sent it to you. I was just yes, like, thank Hed- you so much. For Don't that. like paranormal normal romance. Now I'll send him this one about the wererat jog and the lady. You know, you
1: know what's funny? I think I know which one you're talking. about <laughs> <'Cause> I <laughs> think, think it's kind of
0: famous.
1: Yeah, that's really funny. I, I, that's it. Does it? It sounds familiar to me, and I remember thinking, "Wow, I mean, that's different."
0: <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if it had been, I'm sure, like as a concept, I'm not totally against it because I think it could be hilarious. Yes. but it I wasn't. feel like it <laughs> maybe wasn't well written.
2: Among others. Mm. Yeah, well.
1: I mean, I can see the Where Hedgehog really more as a comedy because if you think about like the the shifter romances, I mean, they're always animals that are kind of masculine, like wolves or lions or you know bears. I mean, they're all pretty much like predators. But I mean, when you think of a hedgehog, you don't really think of like, oh, that's a sexy animal.
0: Yeah, but then think about the fact that hedgehogs are very clean. They like to clean. <laughs>
2: you're not. You're not gonna make this work. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: they are selfish and won't share the hedge. But <laughs> other than that, I really like Dome. You just don't understand how sexy it is when someone cleans.
2: No, I guess not. I guess not. Yeah.
1: Okay. I don't know. I think I. I think I'd group that like with the rare squirrel or like. The were raccoon? I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> I
0: don't <laughs> know. Be, uh, raccoons are fierce creatures.
1: Have you ever not. tried but to
0: get cat food away from a raccoon? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: you, you know. You make
0: a good point. You know that, but yeah. So, but yeah. no, I I get what you mean too. Like, they're not large predators. We'll put it that way.
2: <coughs> not at right. all.
0: <laughs> and I mean, I, I find your stuff
2: where it's always a fish somewhat out of water trying to make sense of where they are uh, as, as a very inventive use of the genre to tell the story as well. Um, those kind of books have always appealed to me regardless of what the specific genre was because uh, it's kind of the human condition. And th- there are some right. really good, ex- you've, your books are a really good example of it. Uh, Drew Hayes, I don't know if you're familiar with him as well. Uh, uh, Drew Hayes writes the Fred the Vampire Accountant series uh, about an <laughs> accountant who unfortunately has made a vampire uh, and it makes no sense to him. And he's got to figure out his way in this world because he's he's not a predator, he's not anything. He's a freaking accountant. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, juxtaposition there. It's just more fun than I've had with a a book in an awfully long time. So as I'm I'm reading your stuff and going over your bio uh, for, for tonight's show, I said to myself, Self? her direction has changed dramatically through her success. And I wonder if that's changed how you write and the way in which you write because when you first started out in 2010, 2011 with this first series of books, I mean, you didn't have any success really to work on. You were just getting this series out to the public and I imagine it was a much quieter, much more relaxed style of writing for you and, and process of writing. How, how was your process then? And has it changed much?
1: Uh, it definitely was very different. Um, back when I started, the whole ebook revolution was really just taking off. Um, at that point, the, the uh, traditional publishers still had the majority of the market, which was definitely shifted now. Um, but yeah, I would say that my writing itself, I mean, as with all things, you know, practice makes perfect. Um, the more you do something, the better at it that you'll, you'll become. And I've noticed that now it's, I can write, I write a lot faster. Um, and I would say, I don't, I'm not as my writing doesn't have as much fluff as it used to. I think maybe that's the best way to explain it. I think that. What do you mean by that? You know, well, I think that when you're an aspiring author, one of the pitfalls, sort of, sort of, that I seem to remember with myself anyway, is that you kind of get stuck in this frame of mind of, okay, I've got to, like, every single sentence that I write has got to be you know, perfect prose and I need to impress everybody with the way that I describe, you know, whatever it is. And I think as when you get too caught up in that and you get less, you you kind of distance yourself from the importance of the story. And I think that's a huge mistake. So now I'm much more focused, not to say that, you know, I don't care what my writing sounds like. It's not that, but I'm much more focused on, (laughs) <laughs> on dialogue, on the action, the adventure, and I'm less focused on, you know, the the big 50 cent words that maybe I was before. I think that um, sort of like where I, the niche that I found for myself or where I, I sort of fell in was that my writing, and, and this is something that a lot of people, I've, I've noticed it in reviews and people have said it to me as well, is that it's not, My type of books are not the type of books that make you sit back and really like ponder them. They're more entertainment. A lot of people tell me, you know, I, I read your books and it seems like I'm watching a TV show because I can see see them so clearly in my head. And I think that's more what it is. It's just sort of, it's amusing. It's something that you can read to kind of disengage from, from whatever's going on in your life at the time And that's kind of it. And maybe in the beginning, I might have struggled with that a little bit, but now I don't. And I just look at it for what it is. And I've really tried to kind of give my readers what it is that I think that they would want. I mean, I also still write for myself, of course, but, um, you know, I try to, it's it's really difficult when you're starting, the only person you're writing for is you. And in a lot of ways, that makes it easier because you don't think about, well, shoot, if I put this in here, is everybody going to get mad at me? Or if I do this, if I do this with my character, you know, is that, am I going to lose readers because, because of it? And now, that kind of stuff. I think like, you know, oh, I'm taking a big risk on what I'm about to do. Is it something that I really want to do? And, and ultimately, you know, I, I take it in the direction that I feel is best for the characters in the book But there is definitely an added element of of stress, I guess, for lack of a better word, that comes into play when you realize, you know, that you've got a lot of people that are going to be reading your book and and maybe they hate the direction that you took it or maybe they love it. And inevitably, that's always what happens. I mean, because you can't, you can never, ever please everybody. So, While some people might write and say, this is the greatest book I've ever read, others will be like, oh, I'm never going to read another one of your books again. So it's it's kind of, yeah, it's a lot of gray area, I guess.
2: Now, on the other hand, in terms of process, you have never been a huge fan of draft after draft after draft of a book. No. In the very
1: beginning, yeah, I might have outlined... A book in the beginning. And the, the other thing I don't like about working with a publisher is they want you to outline everything. They want to know, like, right ahead, like, from the get-go, this is where the, the story's going to start, this is where it's going to finish. And for me, a lot of times what ends up happening is that I start writing it, and I don't really know where it's going to go. And I start thinking about things that could happen to the character. And inevitably. That's where the creativity for me comes in because it's sort of like I'm not stuck to some outline that I just created. I'm free to take the story wherever the story sort of directs me. And a lot of times that's what happens is I'm, I'll be writing something and then all of a sudden I'll think to myself, oh, I don't think I'm going to do what I originally thought I was. Instead, I'm going to, I'm going to take you know, this turn over here and see where I end up. And uh, speaking about my my book Ice Wolf, which I co-wrote with um, the fabulous J.R. Rain, that was exactly how it was with him. We we joke about it. J.R. is actually one of my one of my best friends, and we uh, we wrote this book, which is about a, a werewolf shifter, um, and the thing that was so much fun about it is that the way we wrote it is I would write a chapter and then he would write the next chapter and then I would write the next one and so on. And at the end of every chapter, he would leave me in a sort of like predicament that I would just be like, Oh my God, I can't believe he just did this to me now. What do I do? And it was sort of like a game in a way because it would be, you know, I'd start reading his chapter and I'd be like, okay, now where is Jr going to send me now? And then at the end of it, I'd have to come up with some crazy thing. Like there's a scene, for example, where um, basically the story opens up with a man who has a dagger in his heart, and he's in the he's frozen in the snow. So they take the body out, they take it uh, to the morgue, and they're you know cutting it all up to figure out what happened to him. And the guy comes back to life. So Jr. leaves me at the end of one of the chapters with basically where the guy's on the table and you can kind of see his foot twitching, and then he ends it. And so then I thought to myself, all right, you know what? You're getting it. You, you left me off there. So I actually have the guy come to life, comes up the stairs. He's holding the bowl of his organs and leaving 20 footprints everywhere. And I was just like, all right, you're going to take it. And it was just really fun. It was actually more fun than I've had writing in a really long time because it was almost like this this dare, this ongoing dare of like, where are you going to take it? Okay, well now I'm going to take it here. And it was just really, really fun. And actually that book did incredibly well. We're working on the second one right now. Um, But yeah, that's, that is something that comes to mind in terms of just the freedom of creativity that you can allow yourself if you're not stuck to an outline.
2: The other thing that I've never heard you complain about is uh, writer's block. And I have, I have a, uh, a theory about that for you. Uh, <laughs> and that God. is that you, your characters are so alive in your head that you just let them tell you where they want to go. You, you put them yeah. in situations and say, go, and they do.
1: Yes, uh, you nailed it. I've actually, in the entire since since I was full time in two thousand ten, I've never ever had writer's block. I've had writers. I don't feel like doing this right now, and I want to do something else. Well, that, everybody has that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've never actually just sat in front of my computer screen and been like, "Okay, I don't know what to do." That's never ever occurred to me, and I think partially. This whole time, right, thinking about just driving, I'm thinking about running away, and I'm, I'm, I'm like, doing whatever I'm doing. I'm constantly thinking, okay, I'm with, I'm with, I'm with my, I'm with my, so yeah, you're you're right, you nailed it. I I, I I've never had an issue with that, and nothing was going so well, but happened so far. Sure.
2: So you said that you're working on a new series now that you're just about to to bring out or a new direction that you're going to go with a new a new a new set of characters. Mm-hmm. So as you're going through the the five, four or five current series that you're writing, and a new character kind of Opens up inside you and goes, "Hey, I'm here. I've got a story. How do you figure out the difference between? Does this belong in, say, the Peyton Clark series, or is this a whole new thing? How does that happen?"
1: Well, usually, like in this case, because it's a totally different genre, it it really would not work with any of the other series. Mm. So it it just yeah. I mean, and, and that's, I mean, if I, if I could, if I was able, I mean, I write pretty quickly as it is, but if I was able to write even faster, I mean, I've, I've constantly got ideas floating around in my head that I'm just not able to, you know, work on. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I mean, a lot of people have asked me, could you ever bridge your series and have your characters meet? And I don't think I would ever do that just because to me in my own mind, they are so separate, like they're almost like on different planets in a way. They're in a different
2: universe, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are, and so it, it wouldn't it would never really make sense for me to have them meet. Um, but yeah, I think it just I think that it's part it's part of being a storyteller that you you don't necessarily just have one story you want to tell. I, I've actually I sometimes wonder how authors. I mean, I mean these. I in the case of, you know, I guess with Harry Potter, she's written other ones, but the ones where, you know, they're, they're focused on one series and just one series alone, or maybe two series, I don't know how they limit themselves that way, because to me, I have so many thoughts going on in my head, and so many things that I think, like, hey, wouldn't that be cool, or, you know, this could be a really cool story to tell. Um, it's hard for me, and it, you know, it could just be A and I don't know, I, I think it could be a serious case <laughs> ADD, if that just can't focus on one thing, um, yeah, that, maybe that's why. I, think that's I don't the think that that's
2: a bad thing for a writer to, to have is so many things swirling around in, in their head as long as they can maintain the focus of, okay, I'm working here next week, right. I'll work over here. Do you, do you work on two books in different series at the same time?
1: No, I can't, because one of the problems with me, if there was one thing that I could change about myself, it would be that I had a better memory. Um, I can't remember a damn thing. And so for me, (laughs) I I can't, (laughs) I would get them confused. So I I work on one book at a time. I, I go, I write them pretty quickly. But unfortunately, before I ever start working on another book, I have to read the book, the previous book, so I can remember what in the heck happened in it. So that's kind of, so yeah, so if I started writing two books at the same time, I think people would be like, wait a second, isn't that character in the other book? Why is she talking about him now? I think I'd get it all confused. It would just but that makes,
2: that makes perfect sense to me because each of the universes that your series are in are very different. And yes, you have to, when you're going to put the next story together, re-immerse yourself back into that universe. That makes perfect sense.
1: Well, it does to me. I mean, some people are able to do that. I know some writers who don't even write in a linear fashion. I mean, some writers who... Will write, you know, they come up with a scene in their heads, and maybe that occurs in the middle of the book, so they write that scene, and then they come, they they jump around between chapters. And to me, I mean, when I think about that, that just like that just gives me anxiety because I just think about, well, I mean, how does this all work together, and what happens if you change direction in the beginning? So yeah, I'm, I'm very linear in how I approach it. I write you know chapter one to chapter two i can only focus on one thing at a time um yeah i'm not much of a multitasker but hey it seems to work
2: it seems to be working really damn well to be honest with you
1: (laughs) yeah i don't have any complaints
2: so my question is and i know that if i get an answer to this all of your fans are going to want to know it what are you planning for valentine's day
1: um, I probably will do some kind of giveaway or discount or something. Um, and I probably actually should mention that right now, uh, all of my Dulce books have been discounted. All the eBooks I discounted, I think today is actually the last day. Uh, they've all been discounted to 99 cents each and the first one is free. So anybody who wants to try them out, that's now would be a good time. Um, and then of course the, each book in each of the series, I I believe is, yeah, they're all always 99 cents. So I always keep those really discounted. So people, you know, aren't spending a lot of money to try something that they don't know anything about. Um, but yeah, so for Valentine's Day, you know, I don't, I'm kind of embarrassed to admit that I don't really have a whole lot planned other than some giveaways. I'm, I'm sort of, neck deep right now in the middle of Peyton. So I'm trying to get that done uh, as soon as I can. I'm hoping actually that I can get that, that book out um, by the end of the month. Uh, so, so yeah, so Valentine's Day for H.P. Mallory might be coming closer to like February 26th.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is an absolute joy. Whenever you're on the show, because I never know what we're gonna talk about, but I always know it's gonna be fun. It's, it's such a pleasure uh, because you opened up a whole new subgenre of literature for me. Uh, you're a fun writer, you're, you're uh, an interesting writer, and you're a fun person. HP, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
1: Thank you so much for having me, and I'm. It's well, I definitely would love to come back a lot sooner than six years or whatever it was. <laughs> we're
2: we're going to make that happen for sure from now on.
1: Yeah, I would love that. I would love hey, that. So thank you hey, so. so much. It was. It's been great to reconnect for sure.
2: Thank you. So much. Coming up in the next couple of weeks, podcast of coming to marks March 3rd, Keith the writer on Darby Ah, here we are. Sci-Fi if you shall not get the branding on the I it the to you. is related i to is provided by Lawrence Wake. check them up at Thank you for us tonight. to So say was saying, Terry looks
0: just I know.